Welcome to the Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast, where we feature unscripted interviews with graduates of the United States Military Academy Class of 1991. The Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast with your host, Jamie Schleck, starts now. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Old Grad Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Schleck. Uh, today is Sunday, February 23rd, 2020. And this is, a, this is an awesome weekend um, because, well, first of all, among, among many things, uh, Army swept Navy in the basketball, uh, uh, their basketball weekend. The, the women's basketball team won and uh, who had lost previously at Navy. And then also the Army, the Army men's basketball team won. They won in overtime. And I happened to be at the game. It was a great game. Um, Army let them back in, unfortunately, and, and ended up almost losing the game. But fortunately, they, they got them in overtime and they won. And it was just an awesome, awesome weekend. And so I'm um, pretty psyched about that. So tonight uh, on the Old Grab Podcast, we have our guest. And it is uh, none other than the very famous Mike Mayweather. Mike, are you there? Can you hear me? Yes, I hear you. Hello, everybody out there in podcast land. Yeah, Mike, welcome to the Old Grab Podcast. It's a, it's an honor to have you on on the line. Um, you're you're not a Facebook guy, are you? Like, I I don't think you have. I am not. And I am not a Facebook guy. I actually uh, I I avoided because I had some issues come up with one of my email accounts and some stuff going on. So I've I've just avoided it. Uh, uh, that just the nonsense, but I'm probably going to have to venture back into it because I ventured back into the real estate game, and so that's going to be an important part of, of what I do. So, well, we're going to hear all about we're going to hear all about what you're up to in the real estate game. But I mean, I, I can imagine. I mean, Facebook like there's pros and cons. Obviously, I mean, this is just like it's a wonderful tool to stay connected. We've got over 500 classmates that are connected through this through this portal, this Facebook portal, which is yeah. great. But of course, you know, there's all the downside that you hear about in the news with Facebook and are they trolling us for, you know, yeah. what our, our consumption habits and all that kind of crap. So I, I don't know. I mean, listen, for this, it's, it's a net positive. Definitely, it's a net positive. Well, I've experienced the uh, negative side, so <laughs> yeah. but it is what it is. Well, one of the cool things about this is so I'm live. There's, you know, our classmates are seeing my picture. They're hearing your voice and hearing my voice as well. And uh, they're able to sign on. They're able to listen in to our conversation. So right now, I can see people rolling onto the onto the podcast. We got Scotty Fight, Brad Woods, Paul Smolchek, Amuso George, Warren Daniel, Alex Rogers. Uh, so far, um, and okay. there probably will be many more. So that's one of the cool things that this. And then people can sort of pepper in questions as we're talking. If there's something that they want to ask a question of you, I can then sort of like parrot that back to you and get kind of a kind of a class a class conversation going. Right. <laughs> gotcha. So, Mike, I sent you the link to the uh, to the Old Grab podcast. I don't know if you, did you get a chance to listen to any of the other previous episodes that we've done? I did. I listened to. <laughs> Kind of like the uh, chat side, it, it goes in especially well on Sunday when you're kind of kicking back and just kind of reminiscing on things and trying to forget about the week you just had and plans for the previous week. You know, it's a good time to kind of, you know, the you know the, the chat side relaxation part of it. So yeah, I, I, it was uh, 
I'm sorry it took so long to connect because it's, but, uh, because once again, I just, you know, this is something I think will be very comfortable and fun to do, but it's just been a crazy past couple of months. So, but yeah. we finally got. Up, so. Well, you know, the, the the genesis of this actually came because I'm our class giving officer for our class. And I was finding myself having a lot of these very rich conversations, reconnecting with classmates, talking about our class gift, talking about giving money to West Point. And I realized, like, you know, this is a really important community of people, these relationships that we have. And, and, uh-huh. and you know, after, you know, a couple decades, although the relationships are still strong and the, the um the admiration we have for one another, we just don't connect as well. And so this is one of the, I was actually sitting over, sitting over a couple of beers with your, with your company mate, um, Rob Blumquist. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we we're kicking back. We're having a couple of beers where I forget where some kind of veteran thing. It was the middle of the day. I remember it was the middle of the day. We're having beers in the middle of the day in New York. And uh, I was talking about this. I said, well, it'd be so great to be able to like, just like, create this community and he said that's a great idea and we came up with this idea of having john keenan on because we all have that common experience of him uh asking general swarscott for the beer the first time and so then it's taken some it got some traction this is actually episode number 28 that i've done okay well you know what the the really good thing about it is that you know like you were saying just saying you kind of you kind of get caught up in life (laughs) you life happens and you just you know, things just go, and you know, it's funny. You will, you know, you you talk to someone, or you haven't talked to someone. It may, it might be ten years, and you don't really grasp how long it's been. You know, until you do talk to them, and then you're like, wow, well, you you know, it seems like you talked to them two years ago, and it's been twenty or fifteen, <laughs> and and you know, it's just and and like I said, but one of the things that I do quite often is I like to kind of sit back and kind of reflect on things because it kind of, you know, you kind of look, look to the past and understand what you did, understand, you know, try to figure out what you did and why you did and, 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 and help it lead you in towards things that you're doing. And, but the, what happened is, you know, and, and you know, you kind of say to yourself, you know what, I wonder what so-and-so is doing. And I'll give you a perfect example. It's Calvin Cass. I haven't talked to, it's been a long time since I've talked to Calvin. Actually, we kind of reconnected a couple of years ago, and my and but when we did talk to each other, my mom had passed away. So you know, I went to a period to a period of, of you know a couple of months of just kind of being in, in this zone. Lo and behold, you know, you know, I'm telling telling Calvin, you know, I'll get back in touch with you after I go through, you know, after I get through this, you know, this step. You know, it's been two years, <laughs> and, I, and 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 we we still not connected. And so life kind of happens, and so it's. It's always, and I, I'm extremely bad with getting in touch with people and, and, and re, retouching with them after we talked. And you know, you just you gotta be able to step back, step back from life and, and the daily grind and, and, and do those things because it it really is a a motivator. Because it just it, it gets your juices going again. It, it, you know, it, it, it reminds you of things that you that you used to think and, and, and things that you used to go, and it just kind of gets that brain function going again. So, no, I understand. I mean, this is. I mean, like I, I said, you reached out to me. I want to say, what about six months ago, maybe? Yeah, probably six months ago. I started months like ago. beginning and to get the thing. Yeah, yeah, we never. I guess. I guess we got. We actually connected. Maybe. 
maybe about three or four months ago, I would right. say. And so, you know, I didn't know about this. And, you know, I, you know it, it wasn't until that when we actually connected and we spoke and, and whatnot or what have you that I really got a breath of what this was. And, you know, if there's something that I can do to help you grow this, uh, this platform, it would be, be something I'd be interested in because it, it's just, you know, it's amazing how just reconnecting with old, with, with old friends and, 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 and reminiscing about, uh, you know, about things that you did. You know, that's how, that, that's how I got married. <laughs> Maybe I thought it not. But no, it, 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 it is, it's, you know, reminiscing. And, yeah, wait, hold on. Hold on, hold on a second. So that, that's how you got married. When we, how, yeah, how, because, it, you know, I just, I, I actually married my grade school sweetheart. First girl I ever kissed. First girl you ever kissed? You're married to? First girl I ever kissed, I married. And she's the first one that broke my heart, too. So. Oh, yeah. yeah so, so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we all, I was I, you know, with you at you. But literally, so, I, I met her because I had, uh, I, had, I had just left Philadelphia uh, for my, my little creating thing. I will get into that. But I left, and I had a couple of days before I had to go travel back to Fort Still. And I just, I was just driving through the, through the old neighborhood, you know, just kind of remembering, you know, what it was. And her mom and dad had lived in the same house now for almost 50 years. And I just happened to be driving down the street, and that's was walking across the street. And, you know, I, I wasn't driving necessarily to run into her, but she was there, and we just kind of, Talked talk for a long while, kind of reconnected, and you know, kind of found out with each other. Wait, what, this was this was back with back in St. Louis. This was oh, back in St. Louis. Yeah, this was, I would say. I see when that I I got out of the so cruising around cruising around the block. Cruise around the block, cruise around the block, in between, like you know, doing the thing with the with the Eagles and going back into the army, I guess, right? And then mm-hmm. you run into this, you run into this young lady who is your uh, your your Thank grammar you know. school sweetheart. <laughs> So right, now, had you had any contact with her, like at West Point? Did she come no, to, like, no she so did, she was. No, she never, no, no, she never came to West Point, but we did. See, when I uh, we broke up in eighth, my eighth grade and freshman year, and see, I went to St. Louis Country Day, which was a private school. She was in St. Louis Public School, so we kind of split ways there. But we, you know, we. I won't say we dated. She actually came to one of my basketball games in high school. And actually, a couple of times in the, while I was at West Point, back home on leave, we got together, uh, you know, just kind of hanging out. Well, you know, nothing too serious, but we were just hanging out. And then when I got stationed at Fort Field and then went and you know, left Philadelphia, saw her again in St. Louis. Now, what happened was she had just got out of, was, was in the middle of her getting, she was in a bad situation and just had a, uh, a, a baby. And and what kind of transpired from it was, you know, I I could I could see and 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 and, and, and you know in our discussion as she was going through a lot of things. How old so how old was that, that? How old was the kid? The kid at Paula was at that time about nine months old. I think. Boy or girl? What's that? Boy or girl? Girl. girl okay. Uh, and what I did was that I, you know I was headed back to Portsville when I got back. I had I was working on I, I guess we'll have to get into that part of the story. I was working on still getting out of the army. So what I did was I invited her down to Fort Seville just to visit and just to kinda get away from it all and just kinda clear her mind. And it just all started up from there again and 
What a romantic place to, to what a romantic place to invite somebody to. Why don't you come and spend a few days with me down in beautiful Fort Sill? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? That may have been what was in my mind. <laughs> hey, well, you know what? Listen, if she's if she was if she's gonna <laughs> learn about like you know army life, what better place than Fort Sill, right? I mean, right, like, that's exactly, the spot. Exactly. You know? But you know, it was it was strictly platonic, and you know, you know, I got to really, really learn more about what happened to her, you know, what, what happened to her through the last four years. And, you know, it's fairly typical of, of, of how those relationships go when, you, go when you don't get married. But, uh, but you know, we kind of, you know, an interest was rekindled. And, and from there, from there on, it, just, it was what it was. <laughs> we dated for another five years and then we got married. So, <laughs> hey, so, so that's awesome. Uh, I want to, I want to, we would definitely want to talk uh, more, but by the way, what is your wife's name? Rochelle. Rochelle. So that I can re- refer to her correctly. Rochelle. Mm-hmm. And you guys have been married now for 23 years, right? You said 23 years now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, um, just, uh, taking a step back. I mean, like, uh, first of all, I want to, I want to recognize the fact that as I had expected, this was going to be a very popular podcast. So we have now, uh, 20 classmates that are, do- that are dialed in and they're listening. So we got Kami Ayanako, Ingrid oh, Powell Kim. says, uh, Doc says, Hey, army 30. That's, uh, Who that? the, uh her husband, uh, Mark Dawkins, oh. Ingrid Powell. No, you mean, uh, Ingrid. Ingrid. Yeah. Ingrid yeah, is Ingrid. married. Hey, Mark. Hey, Mark. How are you? Yep. Yep. And Deb Larney and Terry Rice is on. Kim Evans is on. Brad hey, Woods, no, Mike Carr. Hey, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so they're all listening. They're going to, they're going to ask questions. And so, uh, <laughs> okay. so they're going to, they're going to, they're going to, uh, pepper in questions and or pepper in comments and whatnot. I'll be able to respond to them periodically. So, um, okay. but you know, so I mean, obviously we have 15 or 20 classmates that are listening right now, but there's about another, 70 or 80 i think that listen to this consistently on podbean which is the app that this will be downloaded to and so okay like you so mike i mean not, not everybody's on facebook or some people don't want to be committing on a sunday night to to listen in so they pick it up on podbean okay. which is a convenient way you could just you know you, you download this app onto your phone you can dial in you can listen to all of our podcasts and so and in terms of in in terms of our audience i mean i have you know we I am, I imagine this would not be very interesting for anybody else other than class of 91 person. It is open, <laughs> but I mean, we have no aspirations of trying to spread it out to anybody else. I mean, the, the real intent here is that we can foster our relationships with each other, call attention to things at West Point, lift each other up, which is an important part. You know, when, exactly. when, when we want to, you know, be supportive of one another, uh, celebrate our accomplishments and also draw attention to our class gift, um, which is, uh, you know, we've got our 30th reunion coming up and right. um, I have a goal. We have a goal of being the most generous class in the Academy history. And so if we can get to 91% participation rate, no one has ever uh, gotten to that level. The highest previous level is 88%. And so right. I want to set a standard. I want us to be at 91%. Aside from hitting our financial goal of the monetary dollar amount, which I'm sure that I'm pretty sure that we will, I really want to get to the participation rate. That's the one that I think that is more meaningful. Right. And so, um, company H3, you guys are at 53% currently. Um, and, uh, well, that'll, that'll change in the next couple of days. <laughs> well, I thank <laughs> you for that. Cause I noticed that you are now, you're not among those that are currently being counted, but I just send you the link. So I appreciate that. Um, no and so, uh, but you know, um, 
in all seriousness though i mean i think that this really it to your point that you were saying before after 30 years time goes by so quickly um you, you know reconnecting is so important but also the thing that we get after 30 years is perspective you begin to really think about like wow that place it really did have a lot of influence on me or my decisions or my life or, and all these kind of things and it really becomes like a really important formative experience that we've all had and what other elite institution has this experience of putting four people, four years, uh, pe- people through four years of this cauldron of, of pressure and, and, yep. and, and, um, and then putting them out into the army with another similar experience for the next, you know, you know, five, 15, 30 years, you know, and counting. So, um, so, so, so th- that's what this is all about. This is about creating that, creating that system of, um, support for one another and also connection. So I'm so happy to hear about you and, and Rochelle. Your daughter's name again is what? My daughter's name is Faith. Uh, so uh, when Rochelle and I uh, rekindled, she had a uh, daughter, Paula. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paula was six months. And then uh, five years later, Faith came around, which is actually my daughter. Nice. Uh, my daughter between the two of us. And so we've only got two, two girls. And Paula now has two girls and she's got a third one on the way don't know quite yet <laughs> what the sex of it is but it'll probably be a girl <laughs> so we've got two grandkids one and another one on the way wow that's amazing that's amazing I mean, there's more and more of our classmates actually are having grandkids now oh yeah by the way congratulations to mark mark and amy beager uh that just had a, a grandchild i think about two months ago uh, okay. and so that's i i don't know how many there are but there's quite a few uh and so oh, i saw that and, i saw that posted and so yeah and let me tell you uh the role of the grandparent is much better than the role of the parent <laughs> <laughs> i love my granddaughters to death and it is and it's you know you just don't you don't have the same pressure of raising a kid number one number two and i i don't know you know i don't really know how to explain it beyond that but the other part about it is that your grandkids, you can, I mean, you can, when you're done, when, you, when you're tired of them, you can send them off and send them away. And that's, a, that, that's perfect. Uh, but the other part about, you know, about raising the kids, it's just, it's just, you know, you put so much pressure on yourself with your kids trying to make sure that they do the right thing. And, you know, it's not till you have grandkids and you get that perspective of, of, of stepping back and letting things flow, letting things flow, that you understand that. Wow, why can I have been that, been that way with my kid? And it probably wouldn't have been so difficult. So, you know, like it's like you were just saying, it's always taking that step back and and and, and reviewing things and getting that perspective. It, it gives you a perspective of, of really the circle of life. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So, um, do they live close to you? Your 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 daughters? Oh, well, no, my granddaughter uh, Paula is back in St. Louis. Okay, um, and so they're there. We see them maybe once or twice a year, which is not a good thing. But she's only been there a year, and so we're you know we're in the process of trying to work out something to make it a little bit more often. But they were here, but well, actually, both Caden uh, and Nova, which are the two grandkids were born here in Texas with us. So they moved to, she moved back to St. Louis with her husband. And so they've been there for about a year. 
So mm, how's, yeah. how, I have to ask you, how's that dynamic going on? Like your son-in-law, like what's that? I mean, and also just like boyfriends and whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm just beginning to experience this now. I got two, I got two daughters and, um, you know, they're, they're, they're younger. They're, they're 19. Yeah. Tell me, tell me how that goes down. I mean, do you, do you begin by showing like the football videos and say, listen, here's the deal. (laughs) You got one hell, you got one hell of a DNA pool. You got to, you got to keep up with my friend. No, no, nothing like that. I begin by showing them my gun and letting them know <laughs> that you know what you know. There's there's, there's some sick things going on here. You get out of line, I got something for you. No. <laughs> well, my situation is such that you know it it's not the most appropriate situation because um both my wife and I are not very fond of our uh, of our son-in-law. Ooh, okay. Well, I I, I want okay. It's honestly, it's not a good situation. I'm sorry to hear that, man. Oh, you know what? Two things there. She's made the decisions that she made. Um, we actually, we actually, you know, counseled her not to go back to St. Louis because he's an abusive guy. Uh, Uh, he's, he, you know, he's just, he's immature, mm. but that's what she wanted. And there's nothing we can do to, She's she's gonna have to go through some. She's gonna have to go through life, and grandkids are gonna have to face some difficult things because of the decisions she's made. But she's gonna have to live. With those decisions are gonna have to hit home for her to really understand what the hell she's doing and and, and make a true change. Oh man, I'm sorry. I didn't, didn't mean to go down that path. But oh no, you're fine. Actually, you know what? It's but it's it's you know, Jamie. It's real. Yeah, well, he, let me tell you something about being real. I love that too. The app we talk. This is not just like sort of a one-upmanship, you know, like a bunch of relationships. We've been through shit together, all of us, right? I mean, so like, this is like this is life, and uh, you know, I, I, my heart goes out to you that you have to. Um, I mean, I'll also, you know, hope and pray for something good to happen. Maybe you know, some type of change in perspectives or whatever or uh, behavior from this guy. And, and and at the end of the day, that is that's really all you can do. That's really all we can do. And it's interesting that you say that because one of the things, you know, I you know he, I don't want to I don't want to use some pejoratives, p- <laughs> but he the type of person he is is what I live my life and try to raise my kids to. I pull back into that whole mentality and lifestyle is beyond me because that's not how we raised them. My wife's a school teacher, you know, it, you know, and you know, what's interesting about it is, well, what basically happened was we never had a good relationship with her real father. He, he's just, he's been an, he's an asshole, will be an asshole to his eyes. The things he's he said to her over the years and he's done, I don't understand how she got pulled back into that. But I will say that, and I'll say this to everybody listening to the podcast, and some of you probably already know this. The relationship between a father and daughter is hugely important. Amen. That daughter is going, her perspective on men and how, how a relationship should be with a man she will get from her father 
And I say that because I I raised Paula as my daughter. And and actually one of the one of the reasons why I took so long for Rochelle and I to get married was because of that dynamic because Rochelle really wanted Paula to know her father and know who he was. But he had he he's an asshole. He didn't have anything to do with her. Nothing to do with Paula. And and it's it just I mean and my you know, basically my conversation with her was leave her alone, let it be done. You she doesn't have to see him again. She'll never have to worry. I'm dad. But but what happened was as a few years went on and we had constant you know, constant conflict between us, she was like, I'm not putting up with this crap and that was it. She you know, she basically basically cut it off. And so, you know, we went, you know, that went until she got into grade school and kindergarten. So pretty much from kindergarten to middle school, it was, you know, it was smooth, smooth, smooth sailing because, you know, he, he wasn't involved. But what happened was in middle school, and it's happened because, he, uh, because the peers, you know, the older you get, the more, the older they get, the more influence that their peers have. And so, Basically, from eighth grade going to high school, my relationship changed with Paula. I went from dad, basically, to stepdad. Right. <laughs> and I think all stepdads go through that because, because that, you know, that whole, the whole thing would, and you know, it's, it's, this is going to sound crazy as I explain it, but, you know, there, there are plenty of divorced families out there and, and, and plenty of merged families with stepfathers and stepdads and with stepdads, stepmoms or whatnot or what have you. And so the, so the, you know, most of the, your kids and their peers, they're kind of going through the same thing. But, but the whole dynamic of knowing who your dad is and who your mom is or whatnot or what have you, it just takes on a, a, a whole bigger importance when they get into middle school and I think that's driven by the, 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 the pressure from the peers and it's not necessarily a good thing a lot of it I think is just that they probably you know make fun of one another one another and so that 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 whole dynamic kind of kind of is what creates the whole stepdad stepmom yeah. thing where, where it where becomes more adversarial than 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 it should be and usually is. So, and that's kind of what happened to us. And and, I, and what happened was during that period, she sought out her dad more. And I'm sitting, you know, everybody and I is like, why? Because <laughs> he hasn't changed. He's, he's, he's 55, 56 years old now. He's the same person he was, you know, when, when, when Steve Rochelle had her father's but That is, but, but that's, you know, that's something she's glad. And that's, a part of the pull back into that whole, into what she's in. Actually, you know what? And I, I, I don't know if you wanted to hear all of this. No, hey, Mike, I got to <laughs> just, I just quickly, I just tell you, I mean, like, because I can see people's reactions online. Tons of thumbs up, thumbs up and comments. And, right. you know, Ingrid just said big up to all the girl dads out there. I mean, thank you for being so real like this. I mean, this, this is, this is, I mean, this is, you know, I'm grateful for your, uh, Oh yeah. And, you know, we've all, you know what, it's, you know, we've all experienced pretty much kind of the same things. And you know what, 
you know, you know, to, to, to know that somebody else experienced it and, 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 and to understand how, how they dealt with it, you know, that's, that's a, that's, that's a, that's a positive of being able to talk to different people and pull ideas and thoughts and whatnot or have you. But to, to finish, to, to finish that thought and to kind of finish that whole scenario, she wound up marrying a guy just like her dad. And that's it to, to go full circle on this. She married a guy just like her dad, and that's why it's so important for fathers, for fathers to, to 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 have that relationship. And 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 you know, I dated my I dated my dad. I dated both father and 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 faith as they were going up because I just wanted them to understand how a man should treat them. And and so she, she, she's going to have to go through the things her mom went through. So how's the um, how's the relationship between Faith and Paula? That's got to be an interesting. That's where, you know, sisters are. You know, <laughs> Faith will not tell us a thing about what's going on with Paula. We always got to we always got to kind of decipher because and 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 and, and our relationship has changed because she she married this guy and we were not. I mean, we were totally against it. And so, of course, there is absolutely no relations. I've met this guy two times, and this guy, in both times, I've, I've spoken maybe two paragraphs to him in those in those two periods. And one of the one of the situations was it was not a uh, positive situation to meet somebody. In. So we'll we'll kind of leave it at that. Mm. But what's going the dynamic? She doesn't tell us much because she kind of you know, what's going on with our relationship with him and her, and, you know, she, I mean, I actually believe that she understands what she means. She understands what's happening, probably can even see what's going down, but she doesn't want to, you know, she doesn't want to hear, I told you so. Yeah. But it was how they play out. But their relationship is, I mean, like two sisters, and they tell each other everything, and we can't get Faith to tell us anything. <laughs> and you know what? We purposely stepped back from that because we don't want to we don't want to put faith in the middle of what's going on with that um uh because you know that that has nothing to you know her relationship with paula has nothing to do with paula's relationship with us and her relationship with us so what what's what's uh what's paula up to paula is well you know he's got a baby coming along the way wow another grandkid no so this will be our third wow third uh, she's working. She's an office temp. Now, he's supposed to be working, but oh wait a minute, hold on. No, go ahead. I got confused. Faith, what's Faith up to? Oh, Faith is in college. Yeah, no, I I, I, I got I got mixed up. Sorry. Faith is that she's at Texas Women's University. She's studying biochemistry. Uh, she's She's on the five-year plan, five or six-year plan, I guess. <laughs> and it's not like it's not like what we went through. We're going to do four years and you're going to get the hell out. They actually promote you to stay in for another two or three years if they can. But uh, she's studying biochemistry. She's been talking about medicine, but uh, I think it. <laughs> she's going through her, you know, being away from home phase, so that she hasn't gotten that dedication yet. <laughs> and and I know that biochemistry is kicking her butt right now. So so you know so we'll kind of see how that plays out. But she's doing well, um, you know. And I mean, you know what? She will, she will be out. She'll she'll do well because she's a daddy's daughter. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 
because I'll be there to kick her in the butt or, or do whatever she needs to um, few comments here. Uh, first of all, um, Mark, Mark West just said that Mike, uh, you were his son Keegan's make-believe best friend during their first assignment at West Point. <laughs> now, wait a minute. His son Keegan can't, can't remember anything about me at West Point because he wasn't around. So it's all, no, no, it's no. All I, no their their first assignment because they've, they've been back and forth at West Point. Like more, like those people, they the, the West basically spent more time at West Point than probably any person on the planet i think you yeah know? It's got, it's got, they got those connections right? <laughs> well i mean she grew up there she grew up she right, went to right. high that's school she yeah, like, yeah, right. unbelievable mm -hmm. so so that that's now, one but the, thing, but the big thing is how they how they get it worked out at the personnel department up in up in, up in washington <laughs> i know i know he obviously has some great connect and then now he's he's the uh he's a coach the sprint football coach right. so he'll, they'll be there for a while and hopefully Hopefully she, you know, she she's going to finish out her her career there. I mean, you know, what rank what rank is she now? She's a colonel, man. Come on, colonel. Oh six, oh six, yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, she's she's the real deal. And then you know, and then we ha we have several classmates that are also generals. I think you know that too. We talked about. I told you, Moose, Moose George, yeah, Moose who's on the podcast, and um, you know, we've got I think fifteen general officers in our class right now. Oh, yeah. 15 wow, 15 one five, yeah mm, wow yeah so we got some we've got some people and you know some some great places and uh that's why it's great to have this whole grab podcast we can celebrate these things and and um we can also uh you know and 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 also pull for each other like like right, like we exactly. get a chance to do so so mike um at the time is gonna go by so fast we're we're a half an hour in already and we haven't even gotten through present day how long do your present how long do your well typically i try to cut them off at 90 minutes so we that means we have an hour more that we could talk maximum but we want to we, we could probably talk for, we could talk for three hours easily easily so you know and the thing is mike you and i we didn't know each other at west point at all like uh, like you you said like i yeah you know, I, I don't know who you are and I like, you know, and I was like, well, I know who you are, obviously, because you were like, you know, the most famous one of our classmates, you know, and <laughs> was, was, you yeah, know. and I have to say, Those too, <laughs> by the way, you know, I'm a, uh, like people occasionally will ask me, um, cause, you know, if I play football at West Point, because, you know, I'm a big guy, bigger than normal. Yeah, yeah. And my, my stock answer is, you know, I would have played there if if I was good enough. <laughs> that's my standard thing i, oh, I would have played if I was, well you were certainly good enough you're the best of, one, one of the best of all times but um, yeah but you know what uh, there's a story behind that too and i feel this is maybe a good time to destroy the myth because the myth is grown and it, it's a good way it's a good way to segue to something else sure. because Let's i see. had this conversation Brett Bag is his name. I, I had seen Brett for a long time uh but he moved to texas a few years ago and about three years ago we all we could sing, so Brett and uh, Jeff Benny and she's uh, uh, Otto Leon and, and, you know, a lot of the football players from my class. And, of course, you know, I had to break down the whole myth because everybody, the myth is that I came in as this number one recruit and, you know, you know, from day one, I was a starter and, 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 and you know, from the first year on, I didn't have to practice and all that. I got to put an end on that because, and, and it'll, and, and what we can do, what I'll do is I'll kind of, uh, I've got to, I guess I, I'll start at the beginning. 
Well, hold on, hold on. Did you go? Did you go to prep school? I did not go to prep school. In fact, uh, that was one of the things I did not want to do. It probably would have done me well to go to the prep school because I would have been better prepared academically. Mm-hmm. But, but I had no desire to go to the prep school because, uh, because of the recruiting that was going on, and and, and I probably we'll, we'll, we'll come we'll come to that uh, and. As I kind of talk about it, and, and, and it'll become clear why I didn't go to the prep school. Uh, but and I, like I said, like I just said, I should have gone to the prep school because yeah. I would have probably graduated higher in the class. But there is one thing I can say, and I'm very proud of about my academic achievements at West Point. What's that? Whatever it means, I never went to staff. Never went to staff. <laughs> never went to staff. Never, never failed a class. And let me wow. tell you. For you. I, I was on. I was on the edge of a lot, and, and actually, that was, academically, that was really my biggest goal. It wasn't necessarily you know getting the A in class, making sure I was there. <laughs> but anyway, let me. And, and as I kind of go through the backdrop of that, you understand why that's important too. I grew up one of ten, uh, the youngest of ten, my youngest boy of ten. I have a twin sister and a uh, oh, and a younger sister. And we were dirt poor. I mean, you know, in St. Louis. In St. Louis, yeah. So we were dirt. I mean, like, did Uh, you? I grew up in North St. Louis. Everybody, when I say St. Louis, the vision that comes to mind is East St. Louis. But I grew up in North St. Louis, but it was pretty much the same type of situation that uh, East St. Louis was. I mean, just, I mean, pretty much. I mean, today you go to inner inner. Any inner city in the country, and you're going to run into the same kind of thing. Just abject poverty, a lot of uh, a lot of boarded up homes, just simply because there's not the there's not the cash flow and the money flow in those neighborhoods. Uh, so I grew up in your atypical urban poor family. So I have I have an article here from the Chicago Tribune, right, and talks about okay. you. It says Mike was escaping the hazards of a deprived childhood in St. Louis, the youngest of ten children. Whose father died when Mike was six. Despite now, the hard. Let me, let me address that. Let me start, just hold that thought. Hold that thought. My father didn't die. Okay. That was just something that we talked about. I never fake knew news. My This is fake news, then, huh? Right. Well, I don't know if it's fake news, but right. you know, it could have been just it could have been just who they asked. Uh, right. But I never knew my father. Uh, you know, my mom passed two years away, two years ago, and basically didn't disclose who my father was. I don't know if she. If it was a, a source of, you know, you know, shame for her or whatnot, but for, I mean, it was, I mean, and, and really, I know that I didn't, we didn't, my twin, you know, my, my twin and I had different fathers and my youngest sister. So my, my mom married and the first seven was with, uh, uh, with her, uh, with her husband. Me and my twin were with another man, another man, and my younger sister was with another man. And my twin and I, now, my younger sister actually knew, knew who her father was. I knew who he was because I had plenty of run-ins with him. I ain't gonna, I'm not gonna, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother podcast. Mm. Um, <laughs> but my twin and I never knew who our father was. So I grew up, to this day, I, I, I don't know who my dad is and and really, at this point, it doesn't even matter. What's the age difference? Uh, well, I mean, how, like, you said you've got 
there's 10 of you yeah. total, so most of them are older. How, how old's everybody, the oldest? Yeah. Everybody is running about a year to two to five. So if okay. you start with the oldest, and my oldest sister is now 60, maybe 65, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm so old, I can't remember. But And so they run basically about a year to two apart until you get to my the my brother Daryl was the next one to me, and he's about five years old. He's my twin, and then we are about when we are about ten years older than Tony, who's my youngest sister. Okay, so there's a big a big big gap between yeah, you and your younger sister. Yeah, there's a big gap at the end. So growing but, up, so growing, I'm just trying to think, just trying to think that, uh, like, so if if you're 13, spot. your older brother's 18, everybody else is older than you, and then yeah, you have, and then you have a a little baby sister, and then younger sister, right? And in fact, the reality of it was, my mom, when Michelle and I, my twin, came along, she was working. She was a cook at Missouri School for the Blind, and she was working incredible, incredible hours. So I was pretty much raised by my older siblings. So, so you know, my relationship, I mean, I have very strong relationships with my older siblings. Like, for instance, I have a nephew who's my age, and we basically grew up together. And, you know, basically, me and Michelle, now, yeah, me and Michelle, I mean, we, yeah, we were basically, I mean, we, 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 were, we would literally go from sibling to sibling house and nights and whatever. So, so they raised us. So it was, it, you know, it wasn't that nucleus. I mean, it, it was atypical of a, of a urban family. Everybody's sprawled out and trying to, trying to figure out, trying to figure out, trying to make it through mm-hmm. what it comes, what it came down to. Now I got fortunate and I was, I was extremely smart in school. Uh, and, and it wasn't, for me, it wasn't very hard because in the public, the public school system. I mean, it just it is what it is. It just, you know, I did not, I, I didn't have to work hard to get to the grade. And the my academic talents were noticed by a couple of different people at my middle school. Uh, one and and my count the counselor there just said, Mike, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I'm gonna put some other things in front of you just so you can kind of see. One of the schools I applied to in eighth grade was Phillips Exeter. Are you familiar with Phillips Exeter? Yeah, I'm familiar with Phillips Exeter. Actually I think Ingrid's <laughs> I think Ingrid has a Ingrid's Ingrid has somebody that went there, I think. Ingrid Ingrid's one oh. of her kids, I think. Yeah. Oh, did you okay. Yeah. So then I was I actually applied there in eighth grade, but I didn't I there they don't they don't take anybody under the ninety seventh percentile on their testing school. Mm, <laughs> like 94 so so they so they did so they so i didn't get in and i didn't get on and but i was i mean i was really focused on two schools in st louis one was st louis university which was a jesuit school high school in st louis which is and actually the secretary of my grade school really pushed me into looking into that school and applying there but i uh so uh, so that so that was one and then I applied to Singles Country Day School, and they were just literally, you know, recruiting, looking for African American students to go to that school. It is, it is one of the top prep schools in the state of Missouri, probably in the region. So anyway, I go to visit that school, and it, it is literally a college campus, and I'd never seen anything like that. I'd done well on the test score, test scores. 
they those are applied. Once I once I started school, I had to go there. What about your uh, sister Michelle? Where where did she go uh, to school? She went to Sumner, which is basically the district high school. Okay, uh, it's like public school in Sumner, and it's like your typical inner city public school. So, uh, so it was you know it was a godsend. And let me what I have to, what I'll do is I'll take a step back and kind of kind of I have to say this because this is really the essence of my life. I. I go, I live and go by the grace of God. And let me tell you, it is by the guidance, the, you know, God works in people and places and things and his hands have been all over my life. And I'll tell you, and the God I am talking about, I have to, everybody likes to give out this, this nebulous God word. God I am talking about is the great I am, the Holy Spirit and the Lord and the Savior Jesus Christ. So when you so from this point forward, when you hear me say God, that's the God I'm talking about. But uh, He has touched my life and has in so many ways, and so I just I don't. One of the reasons why I do like to reflect and look back is I I, I see His hand, it, I see His hands guiding me and touching me and moving me, and it just you know you know. One of the things that is for me is a comfort because even in times of trouble and I've had those, even in, even in times of, of, of confusion, that's something I've always been able to reach back on and count on and, and you know, man, prayer works. Mm. But anyway, <laughs> so I had to interject, interject that because that really, at the end of the day, that is the essence of who Mike Mayweather is. Because I went to Country Day, it was the, complete opposite of how I grew up. It was, it is, it was and is the, one of the most prestigious schools in the state of Missouri. And, and, and that's where all of your money is. I mean, St. Louis old money is, is that St. Louis country is in that little do area. That's, so I went to a private school that was on the complete opposite, opposite spectrum of what I grew up. And, uh, and, just to kind of show you, I was one of two blacks graduating in my class. And my class, graduating class was 69. Now, St. Louis Country Day School, which was a 3A school now, they're much bigger now, they're 4A school. Despite the smallness, they had out, they always have had an outstanding football co- program. Although they, they didn't know that I was, you know, what, I was a pretty good athlete coming in. They were just literally looking at my test scores and trying to attract. Uh, you know, trying to pull in African American students from the inner city, but I got there, and 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 and, and being there and getting there was a complete struggle in and of itself. Because you know, I didn't have you know my first year and my first man was first year. I had, first eight months, you know, I had to catch the bus from from the inner city out into the suburbs, and I would always. Be late for my first class, which was which was math, <laughs> and I was already behind in math because they're uh, because they they that's how the program was way how ahead of. How long was the bus ride? You said was that bus ride was about forty five minutes. Forty five minutes. So you you pick it up. It would pick you up where you were, where you lived and take you to the school. In the city and they take me to the school. And here's here's why I say God. You know, the God God is just incredible because nobody. Nobody would have cared what I what I'd done if I decided to get on that bus and go somewhere else and not go to school. 
there would have been no no repercussions for me. I could have done whatever I wanted to. In fact, you know, that that was part of the problem with most of my siblings. You know, they got to a point where it was like, hey, you know what, mom, whatever, I'm going to do what I want to do. You know what I mean? Because you know? your mother just, was working, 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 oh, right? Yeah. I mean, she's just my like... No, oh, yeah, my mom worked all the time and, and, and after work she was tired, but she didn't have, didn't have the energy to to... To, to really keep up with my siblings, and, and the most the, the the biggest part of that is when when they got to you know when we got to me and my me and my twins' age, she had gone through so many different problems with um, with my older brothers and sisters that it really was a situation where you know Mike you know and it's this is the eighth grader you know where you got to do what you got to do, so basically. I could have done what I wanted to do and there would have been no repercussions. And anytime on any of that bus stop on, on that ride to that, to that school, I could have jumped off and went to the mall, hung out. You know, the reality of it is I didn't even have to go to school and there probably wouldn't I mean, there wouldn't have been, you know, there would have, there would have only been, you know, Mike, I'm disappointed, but that would have been the end of it. Because, and, and, and because literally, I am the only, I'm the only person in my family to graduate from college and there's only me and my youngest sister are the only ones to graduate from high school. So, you know, so your sister, you know, your sister, Michelle, did not graduate from high school. Did she not, did not graduate from high school. No. None of my, none of, none of my brothers and sisters graduated from high school, except for my younger one, Tony, wow. my younger sister. So, and, 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 you know, and that sounds incredible, but that's pretty damn typical. That's pretty damn typical today. And you know what's pretty damn typical for the last 20 or 30 years? That, honestly. You go back further than that. So, so I say this just to kind of explain to you where I'm coming from. But by no means, it's not it's not an ex, an ex, a, a truly exceptional thing because most of the people who, who most of the most people who get out of the inner city, you know, that's what they they they, they got to do the they got to do the exceptional thing because the regular normal thing gets you nowhere. Mm. So, anyway, so something kept you. So, something kept you getting on that bus every day. Every day going to country day school. The grace of God. The grace of God kept me getting on that bus every day and going to school. It's the grace of God that 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 touched me and said, "Mike, you need to do something different." I'd like to say I I had a lot of insight. <laughs> I had a lot of insight and and kind of knew how things were going to play out. But no, oh no, dude, I, I ain't that smart. It's it's just literally God. Entrusting me, pushing, mm-hmm. always letting me know he's there. Always, when, when the problems came up, always providing a solution for me. Uh, I mean, that's from you know, from that period moving forward. Just, just all the different things. There's always there's always something that came up that could have been that roadblock, but it just you know by God's grace, it, 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 the, the roadblock was moved and it never became a roadblock that stopped. So, uh, and like I said, that's, I mean, I, every time, you know, I talk to my wife about it, every time, I mean, I shake my head because, man, there were many different, there were a lot of paths away from what I wound up doing. And, and, and he, he kept me on the narrow path. But I mean, so like, you know, God works in many Many oh, mysterious ways, as you said, oh, and and so there are people that are put on your path along the way too. Yeah. So like this, the secretary who basically and oh, your guidance yeah. counselor yeah. kind of put you into this, and and I would I would even argue maybe some of the challenges that you've had with with relationships with people is is part of that too. But 
you said that there was a family that was connected to yeah. the country day school. Well, so tell exactly. me about that family. And naturally that's, that's what, you know, so I, I decide, so I go to country day. Um, uh, and pretty much, you know, I was committed to making sure I got through there, but there was some difficult, I mean, I, I didn't understand. I didn't, I mean, I, I, I went there on a scholarship, grant scholarship or whatever you want, want to call it. I mean, I couldn't afford to go to that school. Yeah, I could I could barely afford to get to the school. Let alone be there. <laughs> but uh, so we got, you know, so got into an athlete. Well, one of the back, I played little league football for, you know, for the, the St. Louis area has a league called the JFL. I don't think I think it's gone to fuck because I I played it and then I actually I coached with it when I moved back in in the league when I. And I moved back to St. Louis, but I played there for a few years. So I was a pretty good football player because I learned a lot earlier. But when I got to Country Day, they again, it was an academic thing that they were focused on. But you know, from from day one, you know, I was an outstanding football player there. I was uh, all state there for three years, and during football, I, one of my classmates, Turnabout, we became good 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 friends. Turn, and Turnabauer, Turnabauer is the name. Turner Turnabauer. Turner Turner yeah, okay. uh, we called him Turner, but he was a junior. His dad thing was he Edward Turner, so, so we called him Turner. At any rate, he and I became good friends, and largely because he, he he wanted to be a basketball player, and so he played in a lot of the AAU leagues, and so he had a you know he had a lot of relationships with you know African American kids playing in the AAU team. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a basketball. So when I got there to play football, um, you know, he just kind of, you know, we just kind of migrated together and we became, you know, pretty good friends pretty early. And so what wound up happening is, you know, and, and, and I found out his, you know, because of Turner's gravitation to me and our friendship, his whole family kind of gravitated towards me. I mean, I'm not going to say, I can't even say kind of gravitated towards me. They did gravitate towards me. And I, I don't, and as I mentioned to you before, it was a situation very, very similar to what happened in the movie The Blind Side. In that what they did was they pretty much invited me into their family and, I mean, by all means, made me a part of their family. Now, I did not live with them because I didn't. I was too far away from home. It wasn't a situation where, you know, I had to, and, and uh, Country Day wasn't a boarding school. So that, that dynamic wasn't there. But basically, they opened their doors to me. What, what did happen is, you know, I had a little, like the guy works in mysterious ways. I was able to come up on with a little hoopty car. That that I, that literally got me from home to school, and it smoked. <laughs> and so what I would do is, you know, you know, I would go out to Country Day, and it was about it was about a good forty five minutes to an hour from my home in the suburbs. And you know, on Friday after Friday, you know, for school until Sunday evening, I would spend all my time out, you know, with my friends with Turner and we had, there was a group of friends, a group of us, uh, basketball, uh, football players, and we all kind of hung out together. And, you know, so I would spend most of my time at Turner's house, but John Hagen and some other people, you know, did you, play, guys did you play, did you play basketball too? I did play basketball. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
actually, I thought I was a good basketball player, but what happened when I got I seven when I got to Country Day, and I never grew anymore. <laughs> so that was that was kind of the end of that. But uh, but at any rate, uh, we. So we, you know, it's a group of football players and we all hung out. And what wound up happening is uh, the, the, my classmates at Country Day, with the Bowers being the focal point, really pulled me in and, and made me a part of, uh, of the community, a part of the school. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, T. Bauer, knowing what I know now and, and just how difficult it is to, to open your home your family to somebody what he did for me i just you know again god works in mysterious ways because he's you know it was what was interesting is you know he had reached out to other young african-american kids like he did to me friends of turner's but you know dynamics were you know you know things just never materialized like they did with us and 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 we're going up well they, they and they also the, this Bauer family are the ones that began to suggest to you that West Point might be a great option right. for you. When I and, and, and that, that's we'll, uh, we'll, we'll we'll segue to that. What what what? So they I mean literally, T, T Bauer is the only father I've ever known in my life. Mm-hmm. I mean that's that's what you know. I'm getting chills, man. Thinking about this, I'm I sorry. Mean, it, it, I mean he, you know, and that's why you know. God works in mysterious ways. And what I was trying to say was, you know, he brought us together because what he was trying to do with other people and where I was was a perfect match. And by, I mean, only by God, only by his grace. I mean, I mean there's no other way to, 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 to really, to really describe how that happened, how that dynamic came across other than by, by the, by the hand of God. But at any rate, so of course I was an all state football player at Country Day really got uh, um, really became a part of the community uh, people brought me in what I would have you so it came time to uh, I was you know the recruiting time and I, I was supposed to get back to my whole thing at West Point but you see how I can easily go around the corner to get next door but anyway <laughs> anyhow uh, I got recruited by the University of Missouri uh, uh, Georgia Tech uh, the people who had given me, I'll just discuss the ones who had given me, uh, had offered, put it this way, had offered me, uh, Full rides, right. Stanford, uh, Missouri, Georgia Tech, uh, University of Penn, and Cornell. So, what wound up happening was Stanford, the week of my visit, stopped recruiting me. Didn't even tell me. And Alfred Turner actually wound up going to the University of Stanford. He played there? He played, he there? played there? Yeah. Yeah, he football. played there, yeah. He actually was, he was, he was, he had a pretty decent uh, career. He got hurt his junior year. He actually wound up getting drafted in the sixth round by the New England Patriots. So he was, he was an accomplished athlete then as well. This, oh, this, yeah, this, very this much. Okay. Oh, yeah. We were, and that was part of the reason, that was part of the reason why we were so close because, I mean, Country, we were undefeated my senior year and we lost one game my junior year. And what position did he play? He was a he started out as a quarterback, but was a tight end. Was wound up at tight end and at defensive end. And he, you know, he, you know, he was six five, 
240. Did the fa- was the, the father an athlete? Did he play college football? The, the father was not an athlete. Uh, the father's brother was an athlete, actually one of the better athletes at Country Day. But he passed years and years ago. So. Okay. But the, fa- but the father, but the father was heavily uh, involved with Country Day. I mean, most of most of the, and of course he, let's see, he went to Country Day. The brother went. So Turner was third generation Country Day. So, so that you know, just let you know how they how involved they were with the school. But at any rate, um, those were the, the schools that recruited me. Um, Georgia Tech once once Stanford back once Stanford pulled away, Georgia Tech was where I pretty much had decided I want I wanted to go. Went down to Georgia Tech on my visit, and I don't know if you remember. Um, back in the day, but the head coach at Georgia Tech had gotten hired by Alabama. So he and his staff left Georgia Tech, went to Alabama, and we actually wound up playing against them in the Sun Bowl. <laughs> but then they remembered me. Really? Uh, yeah, my sophomore year at the Sun Bowl. But at any rate, uh, so they left to Alabama. So the week of my visit to Georgia Tech was the first week of Bobby Ross being the head coach. <laughs> can, you, can, you, can, you, can you imagine? Because you know Bobby Ross. He ends up being the coach at West Point later, years later. West Point. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But their staff, that's my week of my visit was the, was their first week there. They had no idea who I was. And it's funny because, and it just shows you how small of a world how small, small the world is this. I don't know if you know or remember Bobby Christian. No. Bobby Bobby Christian was a fullback for the Denver Broncos for a while and the Carolina Panthers. Uh, he and I were both from St. Louis. No, I was all Metro. He might have been all Metro second team. But anyway, we took a, took our visits uh, to Georgia Tech on the same weekend. And on the flight back, we were like comparing notes. And so we were like, they didn't even know, you know, we were, you know, talking about it. And, you know, they didn't know he, who he was and they didn't know where I was. But he wound up going to Northwestern, and I wound up coming to going to West Point. But I shouldn't have been at West Point because West Point didn't do a very good job of recruiting me. The fact of the matter is, the team, the, the team that did the best job of recruiting me was the University of Missouri. But but nobody in St. Louis, and including especially people in the country day community, were, were going to let me go to the University of Missouri because of the head coach. He had a lot of issues. Because there was politics, crazy Missouri uh, politics. Right. I don't know if you call it Missouri politics, but definitely uh, he had issues with the players coming out of St. Louis going to the University of Missouri. And so that was almost a non-starter. And and actually, literally, um, Mr. Bauer and I sat down and talked about it. And, and, you know, he's been, you know, you you definitely call him a mentor. And I say he's he's been a dad. And he's kind of been there you know, making sure that I kind of, you know, don't get too crazy. But is he still, is he still around? He is still around. Yes. Now he and I have, you know, and this is, this is something I'm not proud of because I have not spoken to Mr. Bauer and not probably since I've been here in Texas, but, and, and I, and, and, and another reason why I decided to talk to you tonight, because it's given me motivation to, yeah, make these reconnect. Reconnect. Make these connections. Right. We get you get a and bunch of classmates. Hey, by the way, right. uh, Country Day School. I, there's there. Uh, I've seen all these comments rolling through here. Um, uh-huh. Country Day School. 
Um, it's now called Mary Institute Country Day School. Okay. Well, the question is here: they, they, did they have a swimming instruction program? Yeah, Be- oh, because, because there, there's, quite, there's quite a few comments here. Well, let me tell. Let me this tell. Has been brought up. <laughs> Hold on. This has been brought up. Let me let me let me delve into All that. Right, well, right, let me just say. <laughs> yeah, so Ingrid Dawkins, Keith Brown, who else is good? Uh, Pal Cisco, let me, let me, let me Jeff Simpson. They're like there's this whole banter back and forth about. Let me tell the story. Man. All right, let's hear the story. I was. I was a weekend away from leaving West Point because of swimming. Because of swimming. Because of swimming. And literally, what happened was I flew back. It was President's Week, my freshman year. President's Weekend, freshman year. I flew back home to the to, to country day. And actually, my, the swimming instructor, in a, we had an outstanding swimming program there. He was my AP biology teacher. Was there. I went back there for a weekend to go into the pool with him, and I almost drowned him too. <laughs> you know, I, 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 you know, I, so I went back home, kind of, you know, cuddled with Mister Bob. Then, dude, well, you went back to your high school teacher, and said, "Listen, if I don't learn how to swim, they're gonna kick me out of this place. You gotta, you gotta <laughs> teach me how to swim." No, it wasn't about them kicking me out. I was gonna leave. Dude, right. Dude, I was, I was on the verge. I was on the verge of literally. And because I, well, I, I mean, I, first I, of all, you're five nine one ninety, right? So that doesn't <laughs> flow too well, right? At the, at the time. But no, but what happened was, and the reason why I, I, I don't know if you remember, I can't remember the Jansen, Major Jansen, Jansen was actually good for me. Okay. No, it was the darker guy in DPE with the with the mustache. I can't think of. I cannot think of his dark name. Dark-haired guy with a mustache. Was he a civilian or was he a was he a? Yeah, he was a civilian. He was he was he, he was a. Somebody's gonna pop yeah. that name in the in the in the comment feed because I'm thinking yeah, somebody. Yeah, somebody pop it. But he he what well, he I had a tough time. You know, I'm I'm hard on myself anyway. And the last thing I need is for somebody to to to, to fucking haze me for damn swimming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen, did, I grew up in the inner city of St. Louis, right? I'm one of ten kids. I've been through this. Man. I took a bus every goddamn day in the school. <laughs> and now you're gonna bust so, my stones for swimming. Right. And so, and so literally, I, and actually, I met with, I can't, and I can't think of the ADP instructor, uh, because, you know, I, you know, I was like, you know, I, you know, I, I went to them, I don't think this guy to haze me, I got enough damn problems trying to figure this out. <laughs> so, 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 uh, so, so literally, uh, like a weekend, and actually what happened, was, you know, because I had, I had been talking to this with Mr. Bauer, and I think, you know, Mr., you know, he's got a lot of connections, and through my liaison officer, uh, I think where it got to DPE, what was going on too. So that was kind of dynamic. So anyway, I go home. I I I spent two days in the pool with my with my uh, with my AP biology. Did teacher they fit you? Did they fit like those bubble things on your arms or something? Did they yeah, like you well, like a little like a little uh, uh, clipboard or I was, something? I was draped around his neck, is what it was. <laughs> But no, nah, I don't know. I can't even remember what it was, what the rotation things were. But 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 it's a funny thing, and it goes back to just how you know just how God works. So I spent that weekend, and now uh, when I got when I got back to West Point, I was kind of resolved. You know what it is, what it is. You know, let me start. Let me start looking to see where you know where I can go. <laughs> really? <laughs> but, but I got back there, and actually, Captain Jansik became my new twin instructor. Okay. 
He didn't hate them. He was like, you know, he's a football right? player too. He's a football player. He's like, we're getting through, we're getting through really? this. He's a football. Oh yeah, he was. He was he was a accomplished football player, played tight end, I think, uh, class of seventy nine or eighty or something. Yeah. Okay, see, I didn't know that because yeah. you know he basically changed the tone, and I'm I mean, and and in two weeks, I was I wasn't swimming great, but I was swimming, and I was and I was uh you know being able to do the survival thing. Hell, man, I got so comfortable that after we took you know after I took the test, shit, I went up to three three meter board. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and then it was like, it's a, but it's just, it's about disposition. And, you know, once again, let me tell you, I, every time I got out of that pool and got in that shower, I prayed. <laughs> 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 well, 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 God definitely does. You got some good, so Anthony Weezer said, I remember almost drowning, I remember him almost drowning the entire time we were in the pool. They're thinking there's no way he's going to pass. <laughs> but uh, but I, uh, it was uh, and it was close. Yeah, and, you got. Hey, close. listen, thank God you got through. You got it done, right. and you got through four years at West Point and never failed the class. Never failed. Never the class. Failed. By the way, you're talking about Brett Peckis. I got to take a quick digress for one second because okay. I forgot. I had Ingrid Powell on this podcast two weeks ago. And we forgot to talk about this amazing story that she had because she and Brett Peckis were December grads together. Um, and so, and she got a three, eight, her final semester and he did real well too. But, um, it just, it like, it, like there's like these kind of unique dynamics, right? You were also a grad assistant, right? That was, that was something yeah, that happened. Right. So, so there's like, like these, like unique classmate experience that happened that are a little bit different than what everybody else went through. But she and Brett go through these last six months together. They're in the same, I guess, cadet company and, you know, when right. you're when you're a December grad, you know nobody's gonna mess with you. You just kind of like you know get through the day. Right, and yeah, just, just kind of through, right? And every and every day they'd have a new challenge for each other. It'd be like, okay, listen, here's the deal. Like we're gonna, you know, like basically like like you know December fifteenth is graduation, right? And we're gonna you right. know zig zig here, zag there, go through this obstacle, get this, get that. Like every single day had like a different sort of like um, little stage gate right. mechanism. Yeah, so. Uh, but you mentioned Brett Packers made me think about the the Ingrid yeah. conversation. So, and, and a question I want to ask Ingrid, and a question I will ask you, and this will be interesting. Given all that we know today about football uh, and head injuries and all the other kind of stuff, would you want one of your kids playing football? Yes, I, but, uh, yeah, it, it wouldn't. I would not. I would not deprive them of that opportunity for for a couple of reasons. Number one. I coached, I coached little league football for eight years after I left, after I, after I got back to St. Louis. And, and it's funny you say that because, uh, I'll, this is just a little bit, tit, a little tidbit. I actually coached Zeke Elliott when he was a, uh, when he was a seven year old. Wow. His, his first year football was my last year coaching. So I had that one year with Zeke Elliott. In fact, he wound up, his mom, he wound up going to my, rival high school but that was because his mom his mom had actually reached out to me because both john burroughs was was my high rival high school i mean very good uh college preparatory school as well both john burroughs and uh country day were interested in, in having him attend their school and she reached out to me to kind of get my input on what you know kind of what what i thought and i, I literally i mean i could have really sold my high school but i had to issue i had sent several players to the school that they players that i that i thought 
that's a whole that's a whole other podcast. But short of it is, Mr. Bauer and I tried to recreate the situation that he and I experienced because mm-hmm. it was a positive for the both of us. And in that and in that process, you know, I had recommended several guys from from the different football teams that I coached, and things went. I mean didn't go like they were supposed to. But anyway, the short of it is, I didn't really push Country Day, so he wound up going to John Burroughs, which was as good as I mean, it doesn't really matter. But the net, um, the, the net, the, the net positive is so that right, at the end of the year, right. point is that it's worth right. the risks. It's right, right, exactly. And, you know, yeah, he was from a nuclear family, so you could, I can understand. His mom, his dad was a football player at the University of Missouri, uh, a little bit younger than I am. Uh, and so, you know, he his dynamic was such that you know just as long as he stayed positive, you know he was going because he had a, a very strong family with his mom and dad. But anyway, so let's let, to so your question. Uh, yeah, so uh, you would you would you would recommend that they play? You have no, I, I, would, I would let them do it simply number one at at the younger ages. The impact is there, not, not, I, I agree. The collisions are totally not, agree. Not, totally agree. Yeah. Right. The only thing, the only thing at that age that they could do is is is, is, is sprain their ankles. Right. I mean, they don't. They're not moving. I mean, they're, they're just just there's just not enough. And especially the way most of these leagues are, they don't they don't let the real big kids go against real small kids. So that dynamic, you know, the whole concussion dynamic doesn't exist until you get into high school. And and I would still recommend it because really going back to what you say. There's, I mean, there's a chance you can get a concussion driving your car, falling over stair or whatnot or what have you. But the impact that playing football will have on your life, and you don't have to be a star for this to have this impact, is is an. I mean, it is. I mean, it, I mean, it's it's a microcosm of life, and and you you live. Not only that, but the bonds that the athletes the athletes in general, but especially football players that they have with each other. I mean, it's it, it, the the benefits far outweigh uh, the the negatives with with, with regards to that. So, so let, let, so let's think about this. We've got time goes by so fast. We've got about another twenty twenty five minutes to talk. Uh, I, well, I want to talk about West Point. Talk about the Army. Yeah, hold on. So, tell, what, so you show up show up in Company H three, Third Platoon H Company, Hotel Company. And uh, who's your roommate, plebe Like, what was that whole dynamic like? You're like, what the hell is this? I, I'm here to play football. I'm not here to go through all this bullshit. Well, like, no, what, what? it really wasn't that because I was from an academic. I was from an you know, the academics didn't frighten me uh, because, I, you know, country day is college prep school, so I was pretty much prep. My problem was, you know, I was tired of hell. You only, I love sleep. And that was simply because, I mean, as I mean, do all teenagers, <laughs> as do all teenagers. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and of course, you know, you know, cause I wound up, start, I wound up starting uh, the fourth game my freshman year. So just that whole dynamic, I mean, dude, I, my, my roommate, my, my roommate, what's that? Alvin, two my roommates were. If I can remember them all, oh, I, I got, I got, I got your list of uh, company mates. I'll tell you, so Alvin, two. That was your classmate. Alvin, yeah. Yeah. I would, yeah, I went to was I, 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 Rob Blomquist was the, was was a uh, um, I don't know, Rob was probably sophomore year. Uh, Rob Proctor, the guys that I remember the most, of course, are doing senior year. Rob Proctor and I was uh, we were uh, roommates 
How about uh, how about uh, John Richardson, Major General John Richardson? Yeah, I was actually actually plea beer was John Richardson out too. Those were my those were two women. We uh, future future general future general officer. Right, exactly, exactly. Uh, uh, Scott Hooper was was a roommate when we got to choose roommates. Uh, Scott Hooper, Billy uh, Billy Estrada. You remember Billy Estrada? Uh no I I I don't. He actually married Nadia King. Right. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. You know, Nadia, mm-hmm. Nadia was pretty involved at West Point. Yeah. Uh, yep. Recently, but they had gotten married, so he was a roommate of mine. Uh, Lyle Proctor, Scott Hooper, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Rob Prince, Rob Prince. So what? What are Rob some of the? What are some of your? Like, like you know, like what were some of the like memories of? Uh, I mean. Well, I- have like i mean obviously there's you all use this classic sort of dynamic of like core squad athlete versus company mate and like how do you basically balance these two um because it's tough to, to do both i mean what was that you like don't want to open that can of worms on me because <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you i was not my i i was a bitter and complainer i bitch and complain about everything at west Point. <laughs> right. i look back and i understand and appreciate going through the process, but I just moaned about everything. And one of my biggest complaints were, was the interaction between the, the court squatters and the regular cadets. Because regular cadets did not understand the grind the athlete that goes through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and let me tell you, it, the, a, lot of those, a lot of people who probably had, who made some of those star geeks, as we call them, Sorry, guys. <laughs> it might be some of you out there. Some of those star people might not have been star people if they had to pull an athletic because it's a whole. It's all. It's it's a, it's, it's, it huge, a, it's a different job. Stuff. It's a job. Yeah, yeah. It's a job. Right, well, he, right. I'm I'm gonna say something. Okay, you might you might have bitched and complained, right? And you had like maybe, <laughs> but let me tell. You, and so like my my interact or my perspective was that of you know. You know, being being a fan, football fan. You know, being a fan of the of the team. But what I was the most impressed and the biggest, and I asked you on the pre on the pre call, like, did you have media training? Did they tell you like, here's some talking points to basically bring up that you should talk about these things, like when you getting interviewed by CBS Sports or whatever. And you right. said no. I no. found I found that your comments when you were on TV or when you were on like being quoted in the paper were like spot on. You were like. You know, the reason why Army does so well when the weather sucks is because we've been through even worse things. Right. We, you know, with our with our brothers and sisters in arms, we've been through infantry week, we've done this, we've done that. Like, right. I, it was like <laughs> these comments were so inclusive of like, you know, Joe Blow company mate like me. I was not a core squad athlete. Um, well, I was like, I love this that. guy. Uh, it's interesting you say that because at the end of the day, you are the sum of your experiences. And so, you know, everything that happens to you, if, if you don't compartmentalize it, it should help you grow in all aspects of who you are and what you are. So in essence, you know, that particular question, but in answering those questions, and, and for me, it's little, life has, I, I, you know, like I said, once again, by the grace of God, I have been in so many different diverse situations and God has taught me so much that 
when 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 people ask me questions, I just tell them, I, I, you know, I, I I I tell them what I've been through, what what I'm about, and 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 and, and, and it's pretty cool. It, it, it's real, and so people genuinely and, and that was really god for me he is giving me a disposition people i mean i don't know why but people i can genuinely get uh get along with just about anybody and people are in comfort discussing a lot of different things with me. and that i can i can only attribute that to the to the hand and grace of god and and it's just you know and just the more real and 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 down to earth you are, you know, the more you you try to relate those things, and more people, the more people, the more people relate to it. So, so aside from swimming, what was <laughs> what was your hardest your hardest challenge at West Point? Like, what, what oh, do you look swimming. back? Like, what's the swimming. gut check? What's the thing? Uh, what's the swimming thing? was my gut check. That was yeah, your gut check, swimming. <laughs> my gut check. Mm-hmm. What's your second I mean, gut check? Was- well, how about this? How about this? I because um. Clearly, I mean, it has to be an amazing. And we, by the way, had Anthony Noto on the podcast. We talked about a lot of the sort of the various different Army Navy games. And stuff. What is that feeling like when you are on the field and the entire place is just booming, just cheering and like watching you? That has got to be an amazing experience. Let me tell you something. It's like in every game, it's like walking through a time zone. And what I mean is Army Navy what it really brings out in people is the nostalgia. And, and I, you know, I, when I decided to go to West Point, I, I didn't, when my decision to go to West Point was really based on the fact that, okay, number one, I had all those things happen to me in the recruiting process. I better have something to fall back on. And I chose West Point because, you know, I wanted, you know, I, you know, I had the opportunity. I knew that when I graduated, Hey, I was, you know, I was going to college. I'd have a job. And, you know, and the other thing, too, was that, you know, going there, you know, was the best decision for me because I didn't have anything, you know, hell, when I went to West Point, I went there with a pair of pants and a, a, a shoe. But anyway, when I got to West Point, about the tradition of the football team and, and whatnot, what, it, it, I mean, it just, it, you know, and, and Coach Young was very good about about giving us the big picture of where Army football fit in with West Point, West Point history, and us as a cadet. And when you when you walk out on that field, it is literally like stepping to a time zone because you understand all of the people that have been out, to, out before you and that you are now adding to that lineage. Oh, man, it was... And, and all four years, it's the same way. I mean, it's, it's, it, is, it is, you know... I can understand what those guys, it, it, it is like walk, it is like playing in a national championship or playing in the, in the Super Bowl. So when I you, mean, when you, when you sit back and you think, like you just kind of reminisce, like what are the moments? What, what comes back to you? What are the things you think about? Like, you know, it's, I, one of the things I reminisce about a lot is my first touchdown. <laughs> my first touchdown was actually, the first game I ever played in, it was a, it was against Holy Cross. It was a move that you know most of my football moves were instinctive to me. I mean, I just I can I could see and I can and it was a move. I just came. From, I, I couldn't tell you where it came from. And the thing about it is, throughout the years, 
I've heard you know people make comments by I knew that was football. I knew that was a football player from that movie. So I reminisce. I, I, I remember a lot of the football games and, uh, and and you know just kind of the feeling around football. Let me tell you. I, I mean, I think mean, I'll be quite honest with you. If it wasn't for my football experience, I would have not made it through West Point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was my ground. I mean, you know, because you know a lot of people talk. You know, it's funny because I tell people, you know, what there was not a day that I didn't think about leaving West Point uh, until until graduation week. And yet, I look back, and, you know, I, you know it, everything being equal, how could I do anything else? Mm-hmm. And, but, but football was my anchor. Make no doubt about it. It was my anchor. So then, let's, let's talk about grad assistant um, role. <laughs> so, uh, well, I, we, we might be mm-hmm. kind of fast-forwarding a little bit too much here, but like any other sort of like before we get the grad assistant, are there any other really memorable things from West Point, good or bad or indifferent or whatever? Like maybe grad week or maybe you know, like uh, CTLT. Did, did you go to Airborne School? Oh, they probably never put you I through Airborne. Airborne. No, I did go to Airborne. No, I did not go to Airborne. We don't school. take chances with you, right? This is like right. this is Army <laughs> precious. This is precious cargo. We cannot put this thing out of no, airplane. I don't think it was right? more back that that. Uh, I just didn't. It just didn't line up because we spent most, most of the football players spent uh, our summers doing work. Can you imagine, like you know, Army star running back, you know, twists his ankle <laughs> on a jump like that? Like that how that would have gone down? That would have been interesting. That, that would have yeah, been, yeah, been interesting for sure. <laughs> but it, it, would, it wouldn't have happened, and it wasn't. It wasn't because they they made a conscious decision not to have that happen. It's just the way things lined up. Okay. So, uh, but uh, that's it. I, you made me lose my line of thought. Oh, there's a whole bunch of questions again. But how about how about the how about Reggie Crenshaw wants to know what was it like being an All American and being considered for the Heisman? Well, you know what, Reggie, I say I'm one of I'm one of the top ten few people in history to go to the Heisman dinner and not come close to winning. Uh, let me tell you, um, junior junior year. I had, I mean, actually, either both years, I had no idea where I was in the standards. Actually, most of, uh, especially during during a year, it was pretty much employed by CBS because the Army Navy game was literally a week away. So they brought me in to kind of promote the Army Navy game, and it was that time that I was about to break the record. So they tried to tie all of that in. Senior year was probably a little bit more legit, just simply based on the fact that I actually did get like four two or three first place votes or whatnot or whatever and, and, and finish 10. But even still, I have to be honest too that some of my, some of the connections that I had at country day school had new people on in, in the New York, at the New York athletic club. So that played a little bit. Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah. So, so, you have people yeah. from home pulling for you. They're like, this is our well, guy. I, this I, is our, yeah, that's right, cool. Exactly. So, so yeah. that's, so that's, that's so, but it's interesting because, Start of senior year, uh, the athletic the athletic information guy came up to me and and you know basically asked me through you know through JY I guess uh, Jim Young was did they want me to did they want to promote me was I interested in being promoted you know the whole dynamic of of promoting me for the uh, Heisman doing promotion stuff I'm like, ah. Uh, all I can do is do be what I be what I am and do what I do. So and you know, Army's not Army's just not big on that thing because like 
because what we were discussing before we got on, I was a Playboy preseason All American. Which oh yeah, we got to talk about that, right? So Playboy invited you. Playboy yeah. invited you to be like in this Playboy shoot, right? Yeah, in the shoot, right? So, so but we have to clear this through the administration, right? They're like, listen, we're gonna have cadet. He's gonna be there. Were you like with Playboy models and stuff? Like, what was the? Oh no 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 no. Oh. Well, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what it is. Uh, they flew us. They flew us. They flew the team whole team down to my end. And the, the actual photo shoot lasted 15 minutes, okay? The biggest part of it was the promotion, the promoting the All-American team and whatnot, what have you. So we got down there. I got down there Friday afternoon. And it was literally, basically, there were no playmates involved. But what they did was, they, you know, especially that evening, we just hit a lot of, 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 of uh, Miami hotspots. So, you know, we, you know, did all of the clubs, all of the clubs we went through, you know, they were announcing, you know, the Playboy All-American. We, it, it was it was more than anything else, a big promotional thing uh, for the for, for the All-American team and magazine. Now, let's roll back to the beginning. I almost didn't go because West Point didn't think it was apropos. Well, is this in keeping with the image of West Point having our star, but, star running back on in, in Playboy? Right. But what wound up happening was they had also elected the running back, uh, the running back from Air Force as the scholar athlete. And Air Force allowed him to go. And so uh, the Playboy organization Relayed that information to West Point. So we got the Zoomy. We get the Zoomy coming here. You're going to tell us you're not coming. You're going. <laughs> that, that's pretty much how that went down. You know, uh, how does that look? You know. Did so, you get like a little uh, like safety briefing ahead of time? Like, listen, kid, oh, Mayweather, no, you have uh, no. You know what? By that time, because that was let's see, that was the end of junior year, and I had actually, you know, I had been at by that time. It, 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 and you great. You, you you make a very interesting point. By that time. From, a, from, you know, the media and newspaper standpoint, nobody in the information department said anything to me about anything. Nobody ever worried about, you know, what I was going to say to reporters or what I was going to do, what I was going to do, so, you know. You know, here's whatever. what I think about. There's this very large vocal divide, right? There's mostly the people in the middle that are probably just ambivalent or just maybe not aware, but you probably have the hard charge in military, like, you know, good order and discipline. This is not consistent with like you know the values of West Point. Da da da. da. There's no way we're gonna have this guy out there in a Playboy shoot. Right. Then you have the other side of it, which is like, holy cow, we gotta have this guy out there. This greatest thing since sliced bread. You know, like, and right. I, an interesting thing. You, since you're not on Facebook, you didn't see this go down. But recently, believe it or not, some some yearling did a GoFundMe to have a porn star come as his date. To yearling winter weekend. Yes, 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 yes. So this made national news. This was like huge, right? And there, there, and like you know, Mark Beeger, who's you know formerly chief of staff, now he's chief of staff down in uh, South Carolina. He probably has you know deals with all this kind of like you know um, uh, press related stuff, whatever. But like, like you, you can you imagine what the uh, Monday morning staff meeting was about like oh like goodness. are we going right. to basically jack this kid up because if right. we do there's going to be this groundswell of su- like support for the kid saying listen you um 
what that have what does that have to do with you know well yeah uh, and also like this uh, this is semi like free speech where you can always do you can do whatever you want right you, you you can be an idiot right and like right but the um somehow i think what they did was and this was very smart they pressured his classmates or they pressured the other cadets to basically convince him to take it down because it was wow. drawn so they, they didn't have to be an administrative thing slamming them Right? right, it was like a peer pressure thing. Pressure, right, exactly. But um, which anyway, is actually pretty smart approach. If but, if they if that actually was intentional, I probably given them way too much credit thinking it was intentional. <laughs> right, but, but to finish my thought, so sorry. all that going on at West Point when I got to when I got to Fort Sill and I and I when I took it and I signed the, and I get, went to camp with the Eagles before I left Fort Sill, I'm meeting with the with the lieutenant colonel and my and and, 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 and with my battery commander, and mind you, my battery commander was a West Point graduate. <laughs> Tell me what? Don't go out the, don't say this, don't do this. Make sure. I'm like, I, I want, I, I wanted to say, dude, this ain't, this ain't new. <laughs> <laughs> but literally, you know, West Point. Here I am going to damn, you know, you know, Playboy weekend, and nobody's got anything to say to me about it, and. These fools talking, you know, talking to me about, you know, going to a camp. And, hell, I wouldn't embarrass anybody at a camp when I would be playing football. I mean, it's football day from, from, from the beginning of the day to the end of the night. So, but that just kind of shows you that, and actually, it harps it, it, it to what you were just saying. So. so then, so grad assistant, you were, this gave you exposure to the whole recruiting world, right? Because you had Mark Dawkins, who's actually Ingrid's husband. Well, was, not so much the recruiting world, but to, but to the whole football. It was, it was my purview into the whole football thing. And I'll kind of explain what happened. You know, Mark, Mark was a very highly touted tight end coming out of West Point. Uh, you know, even though he was at West Point, you know, he had the size and the speed. And there were a lot of NFL teams interested uh, in taking a look at him. A lot of a lot of them there watching film. And actually, I had a conversation with a couple of guys that were there. You know, they were asking me about, you know, what I'm doing and, and kind of what my military plans were. And I was say, at that point, it was, it was five years and whatnot or what have you. And, you know, they were talking to me, you know, between them and I... In my conversations with them, and I went out and got an agent. I found out actually what wound up happening is uh, uh, TJ. Uh, I can't think of his first name. Uh, he was he was the graduate assistant when I was there. Jones, but his it'll come to me. He actually, I found I don't know if I spoke to. Yeah, I think I'm, I think I spoke to him while I was still at West Point as a graduate assistant. Uh, that was the big, his class was the beginning foundation of this whole work thing. And he got out after three years. And after talking to him, I just kind of mowed all over and put me with the information that I had gotten from the scouts. They, and, and the, and after hiring, uh, an agent from St. Louis, I found out that, that I was projected to be somewhere in the third round had I gone the natural stop, the natural route. And what happened was, if I didn't go to the combine and the combine, is really that's really what makes makes or break you in the NFL. Now I I was in front of some scouts in the uh, All Star games uh, when I hit to, to the Hubo in Japan Bowl. Uh, they, you know they kind of scout you there too, but 
is really where you make your where you where you kind of you you make your uh, level your mark or, or you, where, where you are in the rank of things. That ranking is determined uh, pretty much coming out of the uh, out of the combine. So I didn't go, um, and and so that was uh, that's just something I didn't know. I mean, if I if I would have understood what that process really was, then I would have probably skipped. I would have skipped an all-star game and went to the combine because what literally wound up happening was it was a difficult sale to go to the combine, especially having, having, cause the combine was, I think three weeks after I got back from Japan for the all-star game. So it was a horrible, it was a difficult bad sale. Timing. To, right. Bad, bad timing. But you know what? I didn't know. But at any rate, uh, coming out of, out of being a GA and talking to the people that were looking at Mark, um, you know, I kind of, you know, can with my eyes kind of open, and what a lot of people don't know is I actually signed a, a free agent deal in uh, Canada with the, with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Spent about three weeks there. Uh, what was it? Ninety two, I think. So it was after I was a G. It's actually it was after I uh, it was after I got out of uh, uh, OBC. Uh, and that early, and it was actually in the June of, of the end of my OBC. Uh, and basically what, what had transpired to that point, I had gotten a lot more information about the verb and, and pretty much with Clarence, Clarence Jones. Because there's all, like, uh, there's all kinds of, all kinds of conversations about whether they were going to let people out of their commitments early right, at that time. Exactly. And you were like, listen, if you let me out, I can actually go play football. You gotta get somebody get out of your own way and figure this out. So then, right. so, so you so you're you, you're free agent in the, in the Canadian Football League, right? And then so you I got, got and then you got you got to look by the Eagles, right? Right. Here's what happened. So I so so I started the whole verb thing started. You know, the whole real nuts and bolts of the army letting people out really started while I was on OBC, and that's how and that's literally why I went to Canada. I, I went to Canada because number one, my agent thought that was the best route for me to go because that's typically what happens if you don't get picked up in the draft and you've not been in you know, two or three years, you go to Canada. And and so he he was kind of going just going on with the typical routine. Uh, and it was and I pro- I shouldn't have done it because my whole I just wanted a shot at the NFL. It wasn't necessarily about going the route that all the other all the other players all the typical players would do who would be in that situation having not been drafted. Uh, I just wanted a shot. But, of course, I, I let him do what he did. I went to Canada under the idea that this uh, the whole verb thing is coming together. And literally, they signed me because I explained to them that it's in process. I don't know how it's going to play out. But I'll come up here and stay here as long as I can. And and see what it work and see how things work out. Do you get paid and for that? And did, did they sign you? Yeah, they did. They gave me a three thousand dollars fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And literally, I don't know. There was something with their rules. I was I was probably a week away from being able to play in a game. I don't know what there was some reason why I couldn't. Something I don't know what it was, but I was there for three weeks, practiced for two weeks, and that last week that I left. Uh, they were prepping me for for going into a game. So, but I, I, I can't remember all the specifics. But I wanted to believe in going back to Fort Field, and I think it might have had something to do with my with the verb thing. But anyway, I went to Fort Field, and while I was at Fort Field, 
you know, I called up my, my liaison officer to West Point, who was actually, who had represented a lot of players himself. So I just kind of let Carl Lewis go because at that point, I really, I was just looking for a shot. I started to understand that for free agents, you know, you know, especially at that point when I was a street free agent, having the whole agent thing wasn't necessarily uh, a uh, advantage. Uh, an advantage, right? An advantage. So, so literally, I sent out my with with with, and this was a friend of mine from St. Louis, who actually was huge. He was my liaison officer that kind of you know between what I was doing at Country Day and getting into West Point. And so, you know, he gave me names of people, of general managers. So, and I literally just sent out tapes and, and stuff to different teams, uh, you know, just trying, you know, kind of explain to them what was going on and what I was trying to do. And the Eagles picked me up mostly because I think, it, I'm not going to say it was publicity stunt because at that point, you know, nobody remembered Mike Mayweather, but being having so many games in Philadelphia and it was, it was a, kind of a, a little bit of a splash thing. So did you get paid uh, by so them? Did they give you money? That, did the Eagles give now, you money? It's, it's interesting because the dynamic in the NFL had changed at that time. Uh, I got signed as a street free agent basically. And what, and that was the first year that they'd done it. They weren't typically in the past, they would give you some kind of a small bonus, you know, Three five thousand dollar bonus coming in, but start that year, they would only pay you during camp. So basically, in 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 the NFL today, your salary is paid throughout the season. Nobody, and you may have roster bonuses or anything like that. Nobody makes any money until camp starts. So at the beginning of, of camp, so you have a. I went I went first to the rookie camp. And then they had the, then they had the beginning of the preseason camp. Nobody makes any. They don't, they make money during camp. They get their a camp stipend, which back then was like two hundred bucks a week, I think. So you get your um, you get your stipend through through training camp, and then when the season starts, that kicks in your your uh, your salary from your contract. So, uh, but they flew me. Of course, they flew me in for the they flew me. In for the rookie camp, which was at the end of April, I think, or was it May? Because it was in the May, because I went back to Fort Steele for another two or three weeks, and then they flew me back out for the preseason camp. So then, so like you're you're navigating your army career at the same time you're going back to this camp. <laughs> well, I can't, and, I can't say I was na- I can't say I was navigating my army career because I was on the book and I'll get out on that book. You're just one hundred percent thinking like this is my <laughs> shot. In so, fact, I didn't. I didn't do PT anymore. I, you know, I talked to my, and see, that was, I didn't do PT anymore. I, that's a whole other podcast. Well, I mean, you're a world-class <laughs> athlete. I mean, I, I mean, that? like, you're, you're a world-class athlete. It's not, not like they're, like, PT. Like, like how, what's that going to do? That's so actually a waste of time for you, you know? See, now, what happened, though, my my original battery commander had no problem with it. I mean, my, when we had the battery, and we discussed this before, when we had the change of command, and the new battery commander came in. He wound up letting me do what I wanted to do, but you know he had his little say. You know he had his little say in it and whatnot, or what have you. But regardless, I, at that point, I was concentrating on pretty much. Kind of, at that by that stage, everybody knew because my paperwork had flown all the way up through through 
uh, DOD, like the, on the, right. the verb thing. Yeah. Right. right, it was in Washington. So, so when did you actually there. get out, out of the Army then? What, was, what year okay. was that? What happened, right, I got out of the Army in December of 2003, I think. 2003. 2003 or 93? No, 2003. Oh, oh 93, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah I was like, oh, Time warped there. Yeah. yeah, it was ninety and ninety three. And what happened was, I I went through camp as far as I could, and the verb opened for our class while I was in camp. Mm. But all of my paperwork was done as an exception to policy. So, in order to get into the verb, I had to apply for the verb. Now, the problem we had was, uh, if I I could have, you know, I could have you know, stayed out on the, I could have continued with the exception to policy, but I would have had to pay back uh, for my education, for my time at West Point, mm-hmm. which was to the tune of 257 grand. Right. <laughs> so, But the verb, I, the verb, you'd be able to go back and then just do your reserve yeah, time. That's right. It was free. If I would have got out, you know, the verb was what I did was just like everybody else. It's just, you know, just, you know, just get it out under the verb and the situations. Mm-hmm. So I literally had to leave camp and go back home. That's why, that's when I met my wife. Oh, ah, okay. <laughs> wife, so something that, good came from that. So were <laughs> you like, uh, this is probably a, a pretty like soul searching moment for you, right? Cause you're in between. Oh, tr- yeah, I was. And that's probably why we connected as we did. Cause it was, it was, I'm going to tell you. Was it random? Let me ask you a question. Was it random or did you end up sort of saying, let me just go down the street and see if, uh, See if you Rochelle is still kind of like hanging you around. Know what, you know what? I can't tell you. I, I really can't tell you. Something, something sent me down that street, and she walked across. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I mean, I, you know, that doesn't seem. I mean, the probability of that is, you know. Well, maybe. Hey, maybe it's maybe I it's. I didn't do all that great in chat, so. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but yeah, and you know what? And, it, and like I said, we connected probably. I and mean, let me tell you that whole time. The whole football, it was the, it was a traumatic time for me because I just didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, and, 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 you know, and I, and I, and it, and it was, I still wanted it to happen. And what's funny about it is, you know, once I got out and I just kind of took a step back, I wound up not doing it anyway. So, you know, you know, just really what was, you know, what was, I mean, I, 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 you know, taking, I mean, what was really going on through my, I mean, was it more just, I mean, I can, I don't know what was driving me and what was the energy that was was you know that put me in that position where I, and put me in that disposition, but you know you know like I said God you know and it was but what wound up so I so I got I get back to Fort Still, I withdraw the exceptional policy, got you know go through the verb and actually I was one of the last people to go to get them to get out on the verb on the verb. Okay. Yeah, you know, because I had to, if I started so late. And literally, that's one of the lessons I've learned in life. You treat everybody with respect and you never burn any bridges because you don't know when you have to cross that bridge, but you don't know when that person will be able to help you because the woman at up in uh, at the Pentagon who handled all the paperwork for the verb, I'd actually got, I mean, I called, oh, she got, she called, she got calls for me eight, nine times a week. Right. And especially when I was in camp, I'm calling her from camp telling her, I mean, we actually kind of became a little bit of friends. Right. And so 
I actually got the information from her about, you know, the verb and the whole exception to policy thing. So literally, I got, I, I walk it through Fort Seal chain of command and she gets it, uh, she gets it in Washington, at the, you know, up in Washington. If she doesn't walk it through for me, I don't get out. You know what? That is so true, man. That's a, such a great observation about how like, just like you, you could be an asshole to that person on the phone, but you were not. And, most, and it's funny because the reason why I stood out to her because everybody else was. <laughs> right. Right. Everybody, and that's what she said. She said you you have been so understanding and, and, and kind about. And had that conversation. Everybody else that I talked to, you know, you know, they you know they figure that they're the top of the, the heap of it. And, oh yeah, yeah. And like they're yeah. The only, yeah. Oh yeah. That was that was, and that was definitely the reason why she did what she. So, Mike, we are over time. We are, we've been talking for <laughs> one hour and forty five minutes. We can keep talking. Oh keep yeah. Talking. I I find I find your your down to earth perspectives and humiliate your your your, your humility. Um, just refreshing you know and there's so many comments in the feed that, that talk about that too about people that knew you well at west point said one of the one of the kindest people and the most gentle and and humble uh people and i think that just your words just exude that right and, and your talk about you know the randomness of life and divine intervention i mean you've certainly um come through so much um sure. i want to i want to move this towards like a, a conclusion. Um, and I wonder if, uh, if you, uh, if, if, you know, so we can kind of like talk a little bit more about the army and talk a little bit about life and take us back up to present day. But, um, you know, what, uh, when you think about your journey, like, you know, from country day school to West point, your brief stay in the army, your, your, your football career, your, professional career as a, as a realtor and real estate professional, uh, as a dad, as a stepdad, as a husband, as a friend, um, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts in terms of the impact that West Point has had, our classmates have had, you know, let you think about like, what are the, what, what kind of words would you want to leave us with? We'll do this two parts because one of the things I wanted to address that we, talk about that that you and I talked about in pre meeting was about some of our classmates making the transition and I, I definitely wanted to address that because because you've been through you some know, big transitions the transition exactly and one of the things that I would say is that West Point and which I mean a lot of people have already been out would agree with me West Point prepares you much more for the civilian world than it does for, for the army as, as we all know in the army, we're learning on the go. Hopefully, you got a good, good first sergeant. You know, some good sergeants in, in your in your battery or platoon or whatnot or your unit that you know kind of coaches you and, and pulls you through. Uh, but West Point prepares you tremendously for the civilian world. There is, and 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 what West Point really does to us is it, it instills that sense of comp- confidence and stick-to-itiveness that is desirable in corporate America. The fact of the matter is, corporate America kind of sucks, <laughs> but you can actually carve out a position in your, a position for yourself there in the sense that you have got the strength, the the, the background of leadership that was born. And I mean, there's, there's a complete void of, of leadership in corporate America. 
That's why they love West Palmish. Mm-hmm. Um, um, there is no, there is nothing to worry about making that transition from the army to civilian world. But what you have to be careful of is, especially in corporate America, what what they say and what they do are two different things. So, if you as you do transition from the military, from military to civilian world, understand you got the ability to to handle anything that you come across because at the end of the day, most of these companies providing you on the job training anyhow. Um, but the problem is navigating the politics in corporate America because the corporate, I mean, actually I've been in banking, I've been in TV sales. Uh, one of the reasons I got into real estate is because I went out on my own and I just needed to do something for because just navigating the, the nonsense in corporate America, it, I mean, it really is. And so what I would caution people who are making that transition is when you, when you're meeting with these companies and you, and you, you're getting that information, do your due diligence to find out what that corp, what that, what that culture is really about because what they say, what they present is most of the time, different from what actually goes on. So, so the real angst you're going to have is not what kind of job you get. It's going to be where you go and if that fits into who and what you are and what they, and what you want to do. Those are some great words. Mike, when I, when I think about your story, where you've been, where you are, your perspective on life, it's actually so inspiring to me i feel like tomorrow i'm gonna to work a little bit harder you know i'm gonna feel <laughs> i'm gonna feel a little bit more of an obligation to reconnect with people our classmates i'm especially gonna take those words about be good be 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 thoughtful and kind to everybody right because you never know what bridge you're gonna to have to recross right and what a, what a great perspective um right. and what a great honor that i can call you classmate and thank and thank god for all the little the little twists and turns that got you on the path that you did. I mean, <laughs> well, um, like we said, like you said earlier, God works in mysterious ways. Yeah, God does. And so, what I, what I, what I would say I'm most gracious about is the fact that I know he's there because let me tell you without his, I, I know his hand has been on me in my life because without him and the, 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 the obstacles that have come up, I would never have gotten through them. And who knows? Let me tell you, I've got plenty of, of people that I grew up with who are no longer with us because of the decisions that they made. And these are, you know, people that I go to. It's a, you know, life is about the decisions that you make. You know, you gotta, you, know, you gotta, man, I, you know, it's, it's, Jamie, it's a grind out here. <laughs> you know that as well as I do. Man, I don't, me personally, and this is just on me, I don't know how people get through the day without having something some kind of, of something that that you can look at and fall back on and know that you know that the, that you know the craziness of the world isn't the only thing well, one of the things we have to, one of the things we have to fall back on is that common experience that kind of grit right. that we developed but also i think this duty to serve this duty to to, yeah. to be mm-hmm. good to others and this 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 common jamie, motto that we have duty shall be done jamie that is an excellent point because the difference, I mean, the, the problem in this world today, in our culture, in our country, is this, the people have no concept 
of, of responsibility and duty to other people. Everybody is running around with this myopic view of the world, uh, narcissism. I mean, we, we, we live in a narcissist society and people rarely take the time to take a step back and, 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 and kind of try to walk in somebody else's shoes before they make comments or judge, you know, a person's actions or non-actions or whatnot or what have you. Um, just, it's just such the, the whole concept of duty and honor and, 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 and respect and, 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 and in just being reliable, it's, it's oh man, it's whew, you hit you hit you hit a big one on that. Well, thank you. I'm I'm going to wrap this up here. So, Mike, thank you for helping to lead the way. Uh, thank you for for all that you uh, stand for and and for all that you've accomplished and and kind of leading the way. Uh, go Army number thirty. Mike Mayweather. So stick around after the credits roll out. I'm going to end this call here. Thank you for all of our classmates that joined tonight. We've had probably 50 classmates on and off this podcast tonight. And for those who listen on Podbean, uh, we've got a few more podcasts coming up. We got Dr. Brad Woods coming up in a couple weeks. Uh, I'm still chasing down Doug McCormick. Got uh, Rick Burney, uh, a few other uh, classmates uh, that we're going to try to get on here. And also, um, Really interested in trying to get more of our sister classmates to, to step up and uh, be part of this as, as well. So if you know somebody that wants to be on the Old Grad Podcast, please let me know. Um, and uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us tonight. And duty shall be done. The Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast. Please check back on this Facebook page for information about featured guests and upcoming episodes of the Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast.